0: Charged up here for week three of Get in the Game. And it's already the third Sunday of February. We're in this series called Get in the Game: Living Out God's Call of Service. In week one, we said that serving God by serving others means serving in deed and in truth. And we looked at the passage in 1 John 3. Last Sunday, we talked about serving by inner circle ministry always begins with the people closest to you. Now, today we're headed to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, 12, where we will see Serving My Church. And as you turn there, don't forget that this afternoon, starting at 4 o'clock, we have class 101, Discovering Church Membership, and we also have class 201, Discovering Christian Maturity. And both those classes Uh, We're going to be right down in this hallway, and we'll get you to the right room. Let's start at 4 o'clock, and still uh, can sign up. Not too late to register. Child care and supper will be provided. And also, ladies, don't forget the special announcement about the IF gathering. It's only a couple of weeks away. and so make sure you register and invite all the ladies that you know uh, to do the same. All righty, let's read here in Romans chapter 12. As we get started this morning, I'm starting to be able to breathe normally again. Uh, the last time I was that nervous to play an instrument in church, I was 10 years old, and I played a trumpet for the offering, and I could barely make sound uh, because I was so nervous, and uh, that's, that's a feeling that I haven't had for a long, long, long time, um, so... Hallelujah, I guess. Uh, Romans chapter 12. But it's going to get better. We're going to keep working together, right? You guys keep cheering me on. I'll keep trying to get my fingers to do what my brain's trying to tell them to do. and yeah, we'll, we'll get it all worked out. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith." For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministry, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now, here's what we know about ministry in the Scripture. Uh, Ministry is not a position. Ministry is not a job title. Ministry is simply the way we serve God. And in the New Testament, ministry only happens Uh, through God's gifting, and through Christ's body. From the resurrection forward, you will never find a believer without a church. In the pages of the New Testament, after the resurrection, you never find a believer without a church. Even the Ethiopian eunuch uh, was brought to Christ by a member of the Jerusalem church, a deacon of the Jerusalem church. And, And so there's never ministry that's being done without the church. Believers uh, are and were always attached to the body of Christ, and all ministry uh, is and was done through the church. Now, that doesn't mean uh, that it was all done at a church service or on a certain day of the week, but it was always done by people who were connected to a body of believers. And it's the same way today. Uh, Ministry might happen on a Tuesday afternoon in your neighborhood, uh, or during drive time on a Thursday evening when a car in front of you runs out of gas. But ministry always comes from the foundation of God's gifting and Christ's body of believers. And uh, today we're going to see this powerful passage in Romans 12, and I invite you to follow along with us in the notes that are provided in your bulletin uh, or on the YouVersion app for you techie people out there. let's start first by talking about the reason for service. The reason for service. And let's look again at verses 1 and 2. These may be familiar verses to you. Uh, If they're not, they, they ought to be. And at some point, hopefully, they will be. Now, let's look at them again. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And here's what we know. Reasonable service is expected in God's family. It's expected in God's family. After all that Jesus has done for us, Love compels us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to Him. 2 Corinthians 5 says that the love of Christ constrains us, and it's what calls us to follow God. Service is something that we do because we're children of God. Uh, We don't serve God to become His children, okay? That's against the New Testament. Uh, We're only saved by grace, not by works. We serve God because we are his children. Uh, Just like there are things that kids do because they're part of the family. And uh, we don't ask the neighbor kids to come and load our dishwasher, right? That may be a good idea, but we don't ask them to do it. Uh, We don't ask the kids down the street to come and pick up our leaves uh, in the fall. We we have our own kids do that. We expect them to do that. And uh, anytime one of our kids says, why do I have to do it? We say because you're part of the family. And we don't say you have to do it. We say you get to do it. It's all about presentation, right? Uh, By the way, just some free parenting advice. As soon as your kids are old enough to have a family-oriented role, give them something to do. Make it a natural expectation very early. Uh, Two-year-olds can put plastic cups away, right? And I can verify this to be certain One-year-olds can take plastic cups out of the bottom drawer in the kitchen and throw them all over the kitchen. All right, I know this to be true. We have a one-year-old in our house who's been doing that on a regular basis at any given opportunity. Uh, Four-year-olds can bring up their own dirty clothes. And if you wait until your kid is 15 to ask him to help around the house, you got a challenge on your hands, right? right. Uh, Not just because the kid's 15 and in the teenage doldrums, but because the model has never been set. And uh, we're going to see this morning that every person in God's family is a minister. Every person in God's family is a minister. If you've been a Christian for one week, you're a minister. If you've been a Christian for 10 years, you're a minister. If you've been a Christian for 50 years, you're a minister. There's always something you can do to serve in the church no matter who you are. And you'll find this to be true in both your family and your church family. Uh, People who serve out of fear aren't that effective, right? Uh, When you're 12 years old and you only clean up your room because you're afraid you'll get grounded, you're not gonna do a very good job, right? And when mom comes and checks, Who knows what she will find under that bed? And I'm sure there are horror stories that could be told all through the crowd by mothers uh, of banana peels and dirty socks and shoes that have been lost and all sorts of things. Now, when you serve out of fear, it's not effective. Uh, If you do something only because you're afraid of what will happen, if you don't, there's no joy or satisfaction in what you do. Uh, Another thing you'll find is this. People who serve out of duty will eventually burn out, right? If you do it just because this is the right thing to do, this is my duty. Uh, But you get to a point where you say, you know what? It's somebody else's turn to do this now, right? Because the duty only lasts so long. It's not uh, a very long motivator. Uh, People who serve for reward will give up when the prizes aren't big enough or regular enough. But you know, those who serve out of love for Jesus will constantly serve. And and the roles may change over time. We go through different ages and stages of life. The roles might change. But you know, we never retire from Christian service. We we never do. Uh, We're always in Christian service because God has called every member of Christ's body to be a minister in Christ's kingdom as long as there is breath in our lungs. It is reasonable service. And we saw in verse 2 that it leads to God's perfect will, his creative purpose for your life. And, and so there is a reason for this reasonable service. Now let's uh, see the second part today, the restriction to service. And yeah, let's look at verse number 3, the restriction to service. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, last week we saw that pride is the source of all contentions. Pride is the great obstacle in serving those in your inner circle, right? Right? Have you ever asked a nine-year-old to serve their six-year-old sibling, right? I mean, talk about an issue, right? Now, you may, in your house, you may have an incredibly humble nine-year-old who is just willing to serve a six-year-old, but it can be rough sledding, right? And and then, when you ask a 14-year-old to serve a nine-year-old, it can get even more dicey, right? Even as an adult, how many of you have have an older sibling? How many of you have an older sibling? How many of you have a younger sibling? All right. Is anybody in here the oldest sibling? Okay, I'm the oldest sibling in my family. I tell you what, it was always challenging, right? All the time growing up when my mom would say, you need to go help your sister. I have four of them, four little sisters. And Which one this time, right? Go, we'll help them again. Pride is this great obstacle in serving those in your inner circle. And you know what we see here? The same enemy that holds you back from loving those in your inner circle will also keep you from serving well in the church. And that enemy pride, thinking more highly of yourself than you should. When Abraham was praying Uh, his prayer of mediation for the family of his nephew Lot and the city where he lived, a place called Sodom. Abraham said this. It's in Genesis chapter 19. It's so powerful. He said, Behold, now I've taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Wow. Abraham knew who he really was. He's dust and ashes. Uh, In Robert, Grant's hymn, i worship the king. The final stanza begins like this. Frail children of dust, and feeble as frail, in thee do we trust, nor find thee to fail. And uh, just to be kind of blunt with this, if you view yourself as something more than dust, you're going to have difficulty serving others in the body of Christ, right? Paul says in Philippians 2 that we're to have the mind of Christ, which means esteeming others Better than ourselves. And if I have a mindset that says I'm better than the people around me, there's no way I'm going to serve them in Christ's love. Uh, I remember back in January of 2017 is the year of the Snowmageddon. How many of you lived in the Treasure Valley in the Snowmageddon year? Did anybody get stuck in your neighborhood that year? You remember that? And yeah, people didn't get to leave their neighborhood for a couple of weeks, Uh, Well, during Snowmageddon, Amy and I were actually out of the country with our daughter, Autumn, in India. And Autumn had done all of her schoolwork for two weeks of school so she could go to India. And uh, I have never seen her more disgusted than when she got home and found out that every single day of school had been canceled. Right? (laughs) And she did all that work ahead of time for another Oh, my goodness, she was so upset. But we, we were in India, and we had, uh, we had been with several different church and school gatherings. And, and then on a Sunday morning, uh, we left about 6 o'clock to travel t- uh, from Tamil Nadu to an adjoining state, Kerala, for a church service and a baptism. And we made it into this large city uh, called Thruvanathapuram. Say that five times, right? Thiruvananthapuram. Uh, It's called Trivandrum for short. So most people do the short one. Our our friend, uh, Justice Banwell, was trying to find this place for us to have breakfast. And uh, he's driving through Trivandrum trying to find anything other than a Hindu restaurant. Uh, The Hindu restaurants are completely vegetarian. And for breakfast, you just don't have any good options. But after several tries... Uh, he broke the news to us. He said, we're eating Hindu breakfast today. And so we went and ordered some coffee, and they brought us this little bowl of stuff. It's sort of like a, a warm potato salad, but it has this yellowish-orange color, and it's got like tapioca root in it, and it's, it's not my favorite by any means. And then they brought us the bread that goes with it. It's called idli. And Idli are these pure white uh, sourdough rice cakes, and there are three of them. And you dip the rice cakes uh, that are soft into the uh, the mixture, and then you eat it, and that's your breakfast. And uh, after the long car ride, for some reason, that food did not sit well with any of us. and And we're all three slightly miserable. And then we start driving up this dirt path, which, you know, was like a mule train path uh, anywhere else in the world. And so the car is just going all over the, the dirt path. And we're trying to find this hidden church uh, because Kerala State, uh, the officials are very aggressive against Christianity. So they have uh, underground or hidden churches. And finally, as we drive through these massive dips and craters, uh, there's this man standing in the path. And he helped us uh, to find this place to park that was hidden. And then we walked through this collection uh, of housing projects with people so poor that I can't even properly describe to you how poor they were. Uh, And uh, the scene, uh, just incomprehensible. Uh, And we got to this house that is jammed with people. Uh, Some are sitting on concrete floor. Others are sitting on dirt. And we took our shoes off and made our way in. And immediately, we uh, were just humbled. They had set out the only four plastic chairs available for Justice and the three of us. And I'm still humbled thinking about uh, the people in that gathering. We, we took communion together with these small pieces of rice bread. And we were drinking out of this shared vessel and there was, then there was a time for the washing of feet. And several people would make their way out of the building uh, to a place where there were big, big plastic containers of water. And, and I'm sitting there close enough to the door where I could watch the people go out and kneel down in front of each other and take this small, small bowl of water and wet the feet of the other person. And then they would wipe the feet with a rag. And then they'd do another bowl of water and then they would dry the feet uh, usually with their robe uh, or maybe with a rag. And, and I'm sitting there, and tears start welling up in my eyes. And I'm thinking about the selfishness that is so prevalent in American Christianity and in me, where it's way too often about what pleases me and what's best for me and what does my family enjoy and what time does the service get out. And if I'm out of town, is there a live stream? And and American Christianity is so different. The contrast is stark. It's like absolutely stark. And humility was present in that place like nowhere else I've ever been. And finally, it it was my turn, and I went outside, and that dear man of God, Justice, bent down and washed my feet. And then I had the honor of washing the feet of my friend who's now in heaven, And I will never forget that experience. I've often thought, how can we translate that kind of humility to church here, right? And over there, a three-hour church service is short. And they sit on concrete. And here, a one-hour church service is long. And we sit on padded chairs. We don't even know how comfortable we have it. Uh, But the answer to the question is right here in the old black book in verse 3. We just read it. Uh, Through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think more highly of myself than I should. It starts with me. Humility always starts with me. Uh, But to think soberly, seriously, seriously, without any preconceived notions, as God has dealt to every man the measure of grace. And and so humility always overcomes this obstacle of pride, and it always starts with me. Now, let's talk about this third part, the resources for service. The resources for service. And uh, let's read through this section, uh, once again, from verse 4 to verse number 8 as we study this passage in depth. Verse number four, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul uses the human body to express this, right? Your human body is made up of all these different parts, and they each have their own job, right? And if your elbow decides that it wants to do the job of your ear, then you're going to have trouble, right? Especially if you're walking around like this all the time to try to listen to people. That's just going to be weird. You know if you do it with both arms, then you're going to look like you're doing the chicken dance. Yeah, I'm trying everything I can to help you people have fun at church today. I don't know what has happened. Uh, it's just such a quiet room today. Yeah, and I think it's because the baby's sleeping, so we're, everybody's trying to be gracious to Porter. I get it, uh, but you can still have fun at church. You just kind of fake laugh at least, okay? Uh, So Romans 12, though, has this idea of the body having many members. Now, look at verse 5. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. And then it starts talking about the gifts, the spiritual gifts. And the seven primary spiritual gifts are given in this passage, uh, then in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, we see some secondary gifts that are also byproducts of these gifts. And uh, by God's grace, a spiritual gift is offered to every single believer at the moment of salvation. These gifts are given not for us to please ourselves, but for us to serve and strengthen the body. And these gifts are supplied managed, and constantly empowered by the Spirit of God. Now, if you like to underline in your Bible, I'm going to point out the seven gifts here to you right away uh, as we go through this and just quickly hit these. The first one uh, is in verse 6 there, the gift of prophecy, or proclaiming God's Word boldly. Okay, This is not the same thing uh, as a prophetic vision. This is a prophecy that proclaims God's word. God's Word boldly. Then we have ministry. Ministry is an enhanced view of the needs of others and the courage to step forward and meet those needs, okay? And a lot of times, it's not a need that is just visible. It's a need that God shows you in your heart that another person has. And then God gives you the courage to meet that need and step forward. Then we have the third gift, which is teaching. And teaching is a spirit-led interest to know the things of God and to practically teach them to others on a very elementary level and uh, not to get too complex. Then we have the gift of exhortation. It's one of the really neat, unique gifts. It means to come alongside another person and encourage him or her and move that individual forward in faith. And we have the gift of Giving. Uh, Although all believers are told to worship God in giving, this spiritual gift providentially leads those uh, who have God's resources to be channels of God's blessing, to meet legitimate needs in the body. Then we have the gift of ruling, and uh, this gift allows servant leadership to take place in an orderly way, and God allows people to have this gift so that they can uh, do things decently and in order so that they can be administer administrators. Uh, then we have the gift of mercy. And uh, this is the Spirit of God enabling you to show up in somebody's corner when the individual needs it the most. And uh, people with the gift of mercy, they may sound like softies, but I'll tell you this, you do not want to get between them and a person God has placed in their lives, right? I have seen people with the gift of mercy who are like pit bulls when you try to come after the person that they love. And yeah, to answer the gift of mercy. Now, why did God give us the resource of spiritual gifts? Well, clearly, it's never about self. It's all about the strengthening of the entire body. And in the church body, there are so many ways to use these gifts for God's glory. Uh, some of the, those ways are Organized. Uh, so that we can be strategic in living out God's purposes, and so we have those all over the place: nursery and uh, children's ministry, youth ministry, uh, first impression teams, ushers, greeters, worship team, small group leadership, Bible study teachers, security team members, building and grounds volunteers, uh, moms group leader, ladies Bible study leader. The list just goes on and on. And at Centennial, uh, we have determined we've determined. Never to start any organized ministry unless God sends us a minister. Okay, uh, you don't do ministry through an organizational chart, you do ministry through a minister. And so, when God sends us a person with a passion to head it up, and uh, that's the way it works, God didn't call organizational charts, He called disciples to serve. Uh, you can learn. Uh, An overview about the ministry opportunities at Centennial in Class 101. And then Class 301 is specifically designed to help you know how God has built you for ministry. Uh, But here's the thing. Some of the ways that we minister have no organization whatsoever. You know what they look like? They just look like being the hands and feet of Jesus to the people around us. And, and the heart of ministry is seeing a need and meeting it. And it, seeing a need is actually a huge part of this because you have to have uh, the Holy Spirit active in your life. You have to be willing to notice needs. You can't just be worried about yourself. And, and so the heart of ministry is seeing a need and meeting it. And it, it may not have anything to do with the ministry position or even your spiritual gifting. It's just active compassion making a difference. And in church ministry, sometimes the most important activity is for you to just step into an area of need. Just step into an area of need inside or outside of church. Outside of church, it might be taking food to a sick family or providing something for new move-ins or new moms or cutting limbs for a widow or fixing a broken porch but it's stepping into other people's lives when everybody else is hitting the exits. When they don't have anybody in their corner, you go in and you're instant in prayer with those who are hurting. And if you're willing to serve, God will lead you every single day to minister to people in need. And remember, the first people you minister to are the ones nearest to you. Don't talk about how willing you are to go serve on another continent if you aren't willing to serve at your own house, okay? Your your ministry will have the greatest impact on the people closest to you. For years, Amy and I have prayed that that our kids will have a greater opportunity to know and follow God than we've had. And we pray that they will have a a personal first-generation relationship with God. You know, our ministry to them has to back up our prayers for them. Uh, Look, if we never open the Bible at our house, our walk is going to speak louder than our talk, right? If we treat church attendance as this optional convenience, then they're going to know it's not really that important to us. If we don't take needs to God in prayer at our own house, they won't take needs to God in prayer at all. And this is all connected to this last part of our message. And so let's put this all together now as we talk about the reach of service. The reach of service. Uh, Verses 9 through 16, and let's look at these real quick. They talk about our ministry to those within the body of Christ. So we talk about the reach for service. This is those within the body. Let love uh, be without dissimulation or hypocrisy. Abhor uh, that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. We can see this practical advice. If you want a practical primer on ministry within the body of Christ, there it is. Uh, But then we see in verses 17 through 21 ministry to those outside of the body of Christ. Okay, so verse 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, the calling for all believers is to serve the Lord, to glorify his name, to act out his purposes. And when you read this chapter that we have just covered today, uh, Romans chapter 12, you see that ministry can't be accomplished without serving people. As we've just read the chapter, Christian ministry offers encouragement to those within the body of Christ, and it offers light to those outside the body of Christ. Our our love for each other shows that we belong to Jesus. The love of Jesus is the only way to overcome evil with good. If you read the news, it's kind of discouraging. If you follow what's happening around the world, It would be easy to be, as verse 21 says, overcome of evil. The evil is getting more depraved and aggressive every day. You say, Pastor, how do we serve in a world that is falling apart? Well, we start by working on the things God has given us as a responsibility. Present my body as a living sacrifice. Renew my mind in God's Word. Encourage others through the Spirit's gift and leading. Abhor that which is evil. Don't give in to it. Don't accept it as the norm. Abhor it and cleave to what is good, what is wholesome. Love one another in the body of Christ. Meet the needs around us. In fact, if we get busy serving in all the ways God leads us to serve, we won't have much time to worry about the state of the world. Uh, Just keep doing good, be not weary in well doing. Serve this one and help that one and pray for the other one. And don't limit your ministry to an organized position or title. Allow God to make your whole life in the ministry. Serve whoever, wherever, whenever until Jesus returns. Now let's talk about our faith challenges. as we finish up today. And it's a question. And it's a question we should all ask. How are you currently using The ministry opportunities that God has given you. You know, the opportunities are endless, they're everywhere. But we have to ask God to open our eyes to them. We have to ask God to give us the courage to act when He shows us an opportunity. Uh, I'm not one for throwing out unnecessary challenges just to say we did. Uh, But let me give you a necessary challenge, something that God will use in your life. Before you leave this morning, Ask God to open your eyes to a need this week, whether it's in the church or outside of the church. And I promise you that if you ask God to open your eyes to a need, he's going to open your eyes to a need. And then the question is, will you step forward? It doesn't do any good to bring up needs if you aren't willing to participate in meeting them. People who bring up needs and never want to meet them are called critics, right? They're not called church, active church members. Uh, they're called critics. Brother Russ Goodman was, was one of our faithful men at Centennial for many years, and he graduated to heaven several years ago. I got to know Russ the first year I was here, and we always had a wonderful relationship. Every once in a while, uh, Russ would come and grab me for lunch, and, and he liked the Smoky Mountain pizza. So, so he would usually go over there And he would mention to me some needs that he had noticed. And sometimes I had noticed the needs myself. Other times I hadn't even considered the needs. And one day we were having lunch and Russ said to me, "Uh, Pastor, we need new front doors on the church. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, that is not even on the top 10 list. Uh, Really, it's not even on my list at all. Do you know that's why God made the church a body And not just one person. He made it a body. Uh, Russ saw a need. And and then he said, could could I get a bid to have the doors replaced? And I said, Well, Russ, right now, yeah, we're trying to do some other construction projects that just require a big chunk of the budget. And uh, Russ said, No, that's not what I mean. Could I get a bid to have the doors replaced? And then I'll donate the amount that needs done to do it. And so I said, Russ. If that's what God's laid on your heart, I'm not going to stand in the way. Well, got a bid a couple weeks later, $13,500. And Russ replaced the front doors of the church, and he never wanted anybody to know. I figured it'd be okay to tell you now, he can't really get angry at me, okay? Uh, He saw the need, and he took the lead in meeting it. And we have so, so many people Who have done the same thing in other areas, just selflessly serving. God has blessed us with a serving church. You know, we don't ever want to lose our heart for ministry. That's why several years ago, we started talking about Centennial as the Serve Church. And it's not just a logo, it's not to try to be exclusive or for people to think really highly of us, it's what we hope and pray we are now. And it's also what we hope to be in Christ. We pray that the day will come when every single person who regularly attends this church will be an active minister for Jesus Christ. Now, how is God speaking to your heart today? As we go through this chapter, Romans 12, And Paul says, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice. Let me pray with you. God, thank you that we could come and be together in your house this morning. We thank you for the Word of God and the way that it speaks to our lives. It is alive and powerful, and it pierces to our very soul with truth. And sometimes that truth is painful. And Lord, the painful truth may be that we are not serving because we think more highly of ourselves than we should. And I pray that you give us humble hearts as we go forward from this place. And right now, would you allow us, by your Spirit, to ask if you would show us a need this week? Whether it's in the church community or outside the church community, would you show each of us a need? And help us to have the courage to meet that need. And I pray that you'd work now in a special way in our lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.